0: And on this week's show, we assess African champions T.P. Mazembe's disappointing performance at the FIFA Club World Cup. The Congolese side lost both games and finished sixth at the tournament. Also, we catch up with how Africans are doing in the English Premier League. Crystal Palace beating Southampton with
1: Kabay's goal being set up by some brilliant play by the Congolese Yannick
0: and we'll be focusing on what players will be doing over the Christmas holiday season. So that's coming up on the show. And We start with the under-23 Africa Cup of Nations in Senegal, where the top three teams qualified for the 2016 Olympic Games. That's Nigeria, Algeria and South Africa. We talked about Nigeria and Algeria last week. They'd qualified by winning their semi-finals. Nigeria went on to win the final 2-1. And there was so much at stake in the third and fourth place playoff between the hosts Senegal and South Africa. The teams knew that the winners would go to the Olympics and South Africa made it with a 3-1 win in a penalty shootout after a goalless 90 minutes. While Senegal dominated the game, they wasted numerous chances and had a penalty saved in regulation time. In the shootout, Senegal only converted one of their four penalties. South Africa capitalised on the host's shortcomings and they'll go to the Olympic men's football tournament for the first time in 16 years, Solomon.
2: Yes, Steve, it's definitely uh, a good thing for South Africa for the first time since uh, Sydney 2000 Olympic Games uh, where South Africa represented uh, Africa with players like Benny McCarthy playing. Uh, It is indeed a a great thing for South Africa. South Africa is not just taking the men's Olympic team uh, to Rio in 2016, but they're also taking the female Olympic team uh, over there in Rio. So it's the first time that South Africa is taking both the male and the female. But going back to South Africa's preparation, even before the championship in Senegal, they had one goal in mind and the goal is to qualify not necessarily to go and win the championship, but to make sure they qualify for the Olympic Games. And their coach, uh, that is Owen the you know, he emphasized that uh, over and over again and saying, look, guys, this is the goal and this is what we want to achieve. All the players in the South African team are local-based players, you know, are playing in South Africa, uh, unlike like Nigeria or Senegal that had, you know, uh, other players who are based uh, in Europe. Uh, so there, it's like a home-breed team, and they went out there making sure that they, they qualified. And again, Senegal, I thought Senegal really had a lot of chances. Uh, but thanks to the South African goalkeeper, February, who really had... Uh, Great saves, about four point blank saves that would have put Senegal ahead. But South Africa showed a lot of uh, composure. They're young players and they showed that, look, they're really out there to really compete. Senegal got a penalty kick. Uh, February saved it and then he went into penalty uh, shootout. And February, the goalkeeper again uh, came through for South Africa. You know, had great say. The South African players missed uh, great opportunities, but still he came back and dug deep. And, and he was clearly, for me, my man in the match, and if not the goalkeeper of the tournament. Uh, you know, and, and I feel South Africa really deserve it. Senegal, maybe the pressure was on them as a home team. And they're a good side, good quality side. I would have really loved to see them go to the Olympic Games. But at the same time, you know, they, if you look at their semi-final loss to Nigeria, they got a penalty kick, lost, got a few opportunities, didn't take it. Uh, so it just showed that, you know, maybe the, the performance at home, because they are playing at home, you know, it really affected them. The expectations was very high. If they were playing somewhere in, in Africa, maybe they would have really, you know, just gone out there and forget about the fans and the pressure uh, from the nation to do that. But congratulations definitely to uh, South Africa. Uh, Senegal had the opportunities, but yeah, I think the shot comments is not being able to convert the opportunities into goals. Well, it's a shame that Senegal
0: won't be going to the Olympics, but only the winner of that game would qualify. So it's South Africa, Nigeria and Algeria representing Africa at the men's football tournament in Rio next year. Now, the FIFA Club World Cup is taking place in Japan, but the African interest ended all too soon. This is the annual competition for the champions of each continent, and African champions T.P. Mazembe of the DR Congo disappointingly lost both of their games. Firstly, they went down in their quarter-final game 3-0 to Sanfres Hiroshima of Japan, the host nation, Uh, They then played in the fifth and sixth place playoff against Mexico's Club America on Wednesday, losing 2-1 there. Well, it wasn't going to be easy, but hopes were high as T.P. Mazembe reached the final in 2010, losing 3-0 to Inter Milan. While two years ago, another African team got to the final. That was Raja Casablanca of the host nation, Morocco. They lost 2-0 to Bayern Munich. Uh, Solomon, when you see the African champions lose to a team from Japan, you have to wonder whether African club football is as good as we might think it is.
2: Yes, maybe around the continent, you know, we have... Great teams like TP Mazembe doing well and dominating, but when it comes to continental championships like the Club World Cup, uh, then we tend to not do well. And I feel even the performances, previous performances of uh, TP Mazembe a few years ago when they got to the final and played against Inter Milan and also Raja Casablanca in Morocco, uh, I, I feel the consistency that we need is lacking. Uh, because some of the times we see African teams being represented and they tend to lose woefully like uh Tipi Mazembe just lost to uh San Friis, Horishima, you know, you know, Saka three nil. So we we see those kind of defeats. We we get exposed as African teams. It just shows that, you know, we, we have a long way to go, uh, because we're not really competing the way that we should compete. Because this is a team from Japan. The Japanese league for me is not really that strong they though they have great players and it's a growing league but at the same time when we compete against uh south american teams or european teams how are we going to perform if we're losing to 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 a japanese team and i feel african football uh you know has really gone to that level where we could compete internationally with other teams but when it comes to african club sites are we able to compete with other clubs from across the the world are we able to really you know, go out there and show who we are. Uh, maybe again, it has really exposed uh, the way uh, we run our football and not just the talent because we have we do have the talent. Uh, you know, though TP Mazembe is one of the best run teams in Africa, but still, you know, going out there, uh, you know, it really exposed us. And I think uh, it's, it's another way of telling us look, uh, the talent and the skills is not enough, the structures is very much enough, and also importantly. How do we make sure that our strategy and our tactics are really consistent and really uh, up there with some of the tactics and, and, and strategies when it comes to uh, football games across uh, the world and not just across Africa? Because you can dominate in Africa and then go out there and not being able to do that. So African crop sides, for me, I feel we've not really progressed when it comes to uh, club football competing with uh, other clubs uh, you know, around the world. Well, I must say, I really was hoping for a lot more from TP
0: Mazembe at the Club World Cup. We had a lot of comments on this on Facebook and on WhatsApp, and most of the comments were before Mazembe lost their quarter final, when hopes of a semi final against River Plate of Argentina were still alive. Amalai Oyake in the United States had high hopes. T.P. Mazembe have the potential to go far, he said. They could defeat Sanfres and River Plate and make it to the final. It is possible. Robinho, So in the Gambia felt they would beat Sanfres but go no further. They'll reach the semi-finals, I guess, he said, but no more because South American teams are untouchable. Greg, also in the Gambia, agreed. He said Tp Mazembe would stop at the semi-final. I wish them to go to the finals, but football is not a wishful game. At this level, African club football is still just making up the numbers. Cherno Jallo in the Gambia shared a different view. I don't believe they can make it as far as they did in 2010, he correctly said. Uh, That's when T.P. Mazembe got to the final. Uh, Cherno says it's because I believe the 2010 squad was more strong and technically structured than the current squad. And secondly, passing River Plate and Barcelona before lifting the trophy is a daunting task. There was, though, plenty of praise for Nigeria's under-23 side as they qualified for the Olympics by winning the CAF under-23 Cup of Nations in Senegal. Suleiman Sonko in The Gambia got in touch on Facebook. He says, congratulations to Nigeria. First it was the under-17s, now it's the under-23s. What an achievement. May the under-23s follow in the footsteps of the under-17s by bringing Olympic gold back to Africa. Aliou Jame says congratulations to Samson Siasia and the Super Eagles for your incredible job for your country. Nigeria will always be proud of you. I'm not even surprised by your performance in Dakar because during your training camp in Banjul, I watched your game against the Gambia under-20s, which really impressed me. Meanwhile, the draw for the knockout stages of the UEFA Champions League has caught your interest. Sana Balde voices the question that many are asking. He says the draw is tough for some teams, especially the Gunners. Can they go through? Well, Arsenal drew the five time winners and reigning champions Barcelona, so they do have a mountain to climb. But another Arsenal fan, Aliu B. Conte in the Gambia, is looking forward to his team progressing. He says, We're prepared for Barcelona in the last 16. And that promises to be a cracking tie over the two legs. And finally, thanks for sending your football highlights from the past year. Usman Beckham-Kamara says my sporting highlight of 2015 was seeing Chelsea winning the English Premier League title without a defeat to the Big Four. He goes on to say, My love for the Blues has paid a lot because I've met a female Chelsea fan and we will be getting married soon. I love Chelsea and I love Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, thanks for your kind comment, Usman. We're glad you liked the show and congratulations from all the team here on your forthcoming marriage. And by the way, we've got reaction to the sacking of Chelsea manager Jose Mourinho coming up later on the show. Well thanks so much for all of those comments always great to hear from you and you're always welcome to comment on any footballing matter that you like our WhatsApp number is plus +447955232780 that's plus +447955232780 our Facebook page planet sport football africa well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Do take a look at our website. It's planetsportfootballafrica.com, and it's been designed specifically for smartphones. You can listen to each week's current show there and find out more about the team. Also, you can follow us on Twitter. The handle is at FA. You can keep in touch with news about the programme and African Football News at FA, our Twitter handle. Still to come, Divock Origi, the Belgian player with Kenyan roots, scores for Liverpool. He's only 20. He's a career ahead
1: of him. But for the moment, I think having played in the World Cup when you're 18,
0: he may be finding it just a little bit frustrating. Yes, a look at the English Premier League coming up later on the show. Well, it's Christmas next week, the time of year when Christians celebrate the birth of Jesus. It's also a time in many countries to take a break and to spend time with the family. I must say, I'm really looking forward to that. Well, here in Zimbabwe, the football season ended last weekend, so the players are having a rest for a few weeks. But in the English Premier League, there's very little rest for the teams at this time, as they play four rounds of matches in the space of three weeks. So while many people will be relaxing over the holidays, it's a very different picture for some players. Well, Planet Sport Football Africa reporter Adrian Barnard in the UK spoke on the phone to Andy Rimmer, who works at AFC Bournemouth as the club chaplain. His role is to be a support to everyone involved at the club, the players, their families and the staff. Well, Adrian first asked Andy about the spirit at the club after the recent back-to-back wins over Chelsea and Manchester United.
3: Yeah, I think before the season began when we got the uh, fixture list, the idea of playing Chelsea and Man United at beginning of December was um, going to be a really tough call, uh, really exciting for a club like ours, but we never really thought that we would get the results that we did. And um, I think that shows where the, uh, the team is. We're a tremendously fit team. We're a very focused team, and we play in a particularly vibrant sort of way, and it's born fruit.
4: Well, we've said that many of us will be relaxing on Christmas Day, but for the players, it'll be very different. They'll be doing something very different on Christmas Day.
3: Um, yeah, although um, Eddie Howe the the is very strong on Christmas Day being spent with their families, so they'll probably come in for a light session in the morning, and then they'll have the rest of the day with their families, and then, then we've got a game on Boxing Day the day after against uh, Crystal Palace. But, uh, you know, generally, you know, it's part of the English football scene to play games around Christmas across Europe. They often have a couple of weeks off, but um, it's always been a sort of big time, exciting time for the fans and uh, quite an intense time. We play Palace and then we play Arsenal two days afterwards. So um, so it should be an interesting time, but we're, we're feeling uh, confident. I've always, we've always felt that uh, this is a season which is going to be a tough season. But um, because we the brand of football we play, I've always been confident myself that we'd, uh, we'd stay up this year.
4: You play Palace on Boxing Day, you play Arsenal away on the Monday and on New Year's Day a week later, you're away at the current league leaders, Leicester. That's quite a lot of games in a short period of time. A lot of pressure for the players as well. So how do you as the club chaplain help the players to keep their feet on the ground amidst all this busyness and pressure?
3: Well, I mean, interestingly, uh, you may have heard in the news, but the the game against Man United, we had... um, A situation going on with one of the players, which I was very, very very involved with, I still am, uh, with one of the players uh, sadly lost um, their daughter in childbirth, uh, 36 weeks. So that, in a sense, has brought quite a a sort of perspective on Christmas. And in some ways, even though it's a busy time, it's been a time actually with the team that we've been able to really think about what life's all about and and put football in its perspective, really, in terms of, um, you know, it's a game. Uh, but obviously as well as some of the other uh, issues around it so for me it's been a privilege to be there and to bring something of the hope of, uh, of Christmas and you know the hope that can be found in in the heart of it really rather than the decorations so and even the football uh, actually you know the, the big questions of life uh, what's the point where are we going and uh, they come into place in relation to uh, obviously Christmas and why Jesus came.
4: Like many Premier League clubs, Andy Bournemouth plays an active part in the local community. So what will the club be doing to help people in the town
3: this Christmas to celebrate? Well, last week we had a carol service and we had about a 1,000 people there, which was fantastic. And um, that, in a sense, was a free, open stadium offer to the local community. We do a lot of stuff through our Community Sports Trust, uh, working in the schools. And also the uh, the players were going in next week to the uh, local hospital and uh, giving out presents to uh, local children. We're also uh, supportive of the local food bank and uh, an opportunity for us to give towards the homeless and individual players as were involved in, uh, in, in some homeless charities as well. So it is an opportunity for us to recognise community and family at this uh, incredibly intense time of year um, and it's good to be able to, uh, to focus on that and keep, keep perspective again.
4: And finally then, Andy, what for you is the true meaning of Christmas and and how do you work that out in your role as the chaplain at the club?
3: I think it's, again, uh, as I was saying just now, I think it's just to remind the players, to remind uh, supporters, you know, that actually the heart of it is about God walking on this earth, coming into the midst of our lives um, in the person of Jesus as a little baby, Uh, but also that he didn't just stay there, that he he grew up and um, became a man and uh, he died on a cross and and rose again and that uh, in him there is real hope and that uh, even though we might have all the stuff at Christmas, uh, we might have all the presents, actually ultimately they won't satisfy. The only person who satisfies is Jesus. So I talk about that uh, very openly and um, and I have the opportunity to, to share that with players and supporters alike in different ways.
0: That's Andy Rimmer, who works at AFC Bournemouth as the club chaplain, talking about his work and the true meaning of Christmas. Well, Stuart Weir is with us, also in the UK. What are you doing for Christmas, Stuart? Well, you know, the footballers don't get
1: any time off, but uh, I'll be having a few days off uh, with my family, and the exciting thing in the family is that I might have become a grandfather by, uh, by Christmas.
0: Well, how exciting. We look forward to an update on that. And how about you, Solomon?
2: Uh, Steve, I plan to uh, fly from Johannesburg to Nigeria. I'm going to a place called Jos with my wife and young son. We're going to be spending Christmas with uh, my mother and my brothers and sister. For the first time, we're all going to be together. Uh, you know, and uh, that is what we we have to do uh, because we we just feel Christmas is a great time to come together as a family and also, you know, interact with each other, catch up in a lot of areas and and, and get to know where each other is in in life because for me, Christmas means so much to me because of the birth of Jesus because I believe, uh, you know, as a Christian, uh, Christmas changed history. Uh, Christmas brought forgiveness. Uh, Christmas brought love like we've never seen before uh christmas brought a lot of sacrifice that i would be able to uh you know enjoy the sacrifice that jesus came you know the breath of jesus that started a whole lot of movement when it comes to sacrifice and love uh, and increase my love for god not just my love for god but also my love for my neighbor uh, my love for other people uh how do we love each other and i feel you know jesus came and set the best example for us to follow and that is what christmas really means to me
0: Well, thanks, Solomon, and hope that you have a great time visiting family in Nigeria. This is Planet Sport Football Africa. Let's catch up now with the Africans in the English Premier League. Now, sometime last year, we heard from fans in Kenya who were very proud of Divock Origi, a Belgian player of Kenyan origin who played in the 2014 World Cup and did impress. Now, Liverpool signed Origi at the start of last season, but they loaned him straight back to Lille in France. But Origi is now in the Liverpool squad, and he scored a late equaliser last Sunday... In the game against West Brom. Origi is 20. His father played for the Kenyan national team. So how are things shaping up for him in England, Stuart? Well, he's still only 20, as you say, so he's got a lot of his career ahead of him.
1: I mean, when he played in the World Cup, in fact, he had, he had only at that stage started 12 games for Lille, so he was really a very inexperienced player. And even when he went back to them on loan he was coming off the bench almost as often as he was starting curiously just at the same time as they were signing him liverpool were signing christian benteki you know another belgian striker and he's only had two starts and three sub appearances so it's just tough for him to break into the liverpool side He's only 20. He's a career ahead of him. But for the moment, I think having played in the World Cup when you're 18, he may be finding it just a little bit frustrating not to be giving the chance that perhaps he thinks he deserves. And also to find that at the same time as Liverpool sign him, they sign another top striker. So I think he could struggle to get a lot of game time for the rest of the season. And he may have to be satisfied with coming off the bench. Obviously, if he scores when he comes off the bench, then that will uh, certainly help
0: things. Well, we'll see how things work out for Divock Origi at Liverpool. The big news in the English Premier League, the firing of Chelsea coach Jose Mourinho. So the defeat to Leicester on Monday was his final game in charge. Algeria's Riyad Mahrez scored his 11th goal of the season for Leicester in that match, while Jamie Vardy got his 15th goal. As top of the table, Leicester beat Chelsea 2-1 to hand the Blues their ninth defeat of the season in 16 games. Well, on WhatsApp, we asked if you agree with the decision to fire Mourinho. We had an overwhelming response. Musa Turay in the Gambia says yes. So too Gabriel Mansaray in Sierra Leone and Alassana Drame in the Gambia, who says it seems to be a bit late to me. Chelsea couldn't deliver anymore as long as Mourinho was there because of his fallout with his players. Ebrima Barrow says I think it's a good decision by the board. The club was having a really difficult time. But Mamadou Barr says no, it's too too early to sack a coach he should have been given time to shop in the coming transfer market Mohamed Kamara in the gambia says it's a mistake by the chelsea management it's just a bad season but he is a good coach desmond tunde coca in sierra leone says yes because things are not working well for the club and the manager himself so it was good for him to leave and to take a rest also agreeing with the decision to fire Mourinho is Gemo, a Cameroonian in South Korea. He says, I think they gave him too much time, uh, both on and off the field. His team and staff members look terrible. And Gemo adds, happy holidays to the Planet Sport Football Africa team. Thank you very much uh, for that, Gemo. Uh, Musa Sisse and the Gambia says, I'm pretty shocked to hear this, as I really do rate Jose as a manager. I think he's one of the best in the business, if not the best, but to be honest, I think he lost it in the the dressing room Saikuba Sise also in the Gambia says it's wrong to sack him my answer is no Sana Jaune in the Gambia says no to me he should have been given some time and from Amalai Oyake at the Concord Sports Agency in the USA Amalai says I believe the poor form was precipitated by the unwarranted treatment of the Chelsea doctor Eva Carnero her poor treatment by Mourinho was very unnecessary and really soured things for many of the players and to insult her on television was completely out of order yeah thanks for that observation and uh, albert kadzombe in malawi says i agree with the decision to fire Mourinho because he has failed he's gone from special one to loser and from namibia paulus david says i disagree that's the wrong decision jose is the best manager well thanks uh, so much for all of those comments Uh, that really is the big international football story of the week Now, we heard just now from Bournemouth chaplain Andy Rimmer, who told us about the excitement at the club with wins over Chelsea and Manchester United. Uh, Stuart, turning to other games, what did you make of Bournemouth's win over Man United? Bournemouth playing Manchester United
1: was a fascinating game, because if you go back to 2008, you had Manchester United playing Chelsea in the Champions League final, and Bournemouth were bottom of the third tier of English football. But Bournemouth, have now beaten Chelsea and Manchester United in a week. Although, again, some wag said, uh, we won't know how good Bournemouth is until they play one of the top teams. When Manchester City beat Swansea, both their goals were scored by Africans. But the big question is who scored? Now, the first goal was straightforward. Wilfred Bonney scored with a header against his former team, Swansea. Then there were two goals in the last minute with Swansea equalising. And then Yaya had a long shot, which hit Iheanacho on the back and went in. And after the game, I heard Yaya interviewed as the goal scorer. But in fact, uh, the goal seems to have been credited to Ianacho, which means that's the second time he scored for Manchester City in the 90th minute. Great to see him getting some game time. And uh, just for our Gambian listeners, just to mention that Mudo Barrow again came off the bench, played the last quarter of an hour of that game for Swansea, a club without a manager at the
0: moment, having parted company with Gary Monk. So what's your wisdom on the Yaya Toure shot that was deflected off Kalechi Iheanacho? Nacho? Because I thought normally if it is a goal attempt, then the player who made the shot would be credited with the goal. Well,
1: given that Ianacho didn't actually see the ball since it hit him on the back, it seems strange. But I mean, we do actually have a group called the Premier League Dubious Goals Panel, which can be asked to adjudicate and award the goal to someone. But for the moment, it looks as if Ianacho has been credited with the goal. Just a quick run through some of the other things that happened over the weekend. Crystal Palace beating Southampton with Kabay's goal being set up by some brilliant play by the Congolese Yannick Bolasi. West Ham drew with Stoke. And now we're having a bit of a problem at West Ham because Diafra Sacco is out with a thigh injury for up to three months and Victor Moses has done his hamstring and could be out for six weeks there. Arsenal beat Aston Villa and Aston Villa just look like a relegated team. I mean, for example, Aston Villa, in their last 52 home games against Liverpool, Arsenal and Manchester United, have only managed to win once. So that's an interesting and alarming statistic. And if you want another one, Steve, because I know you like these statistics, Peter Cech completed his 169th Premier League clean sheet in that game. Newcastle beat Tottenham 2-1, scoring in the 93rd minute for the second week running. Now, there's an interesting one. Norwich and Everton was quite an intellectual game because we had André Wisdom playing for Norwich and Tom Cleverley for Everton. And uh, Romelu Lukaku scored his sixth game in a row. Is he after Vardy's record? Although, ironically, they never seem to win while he scores because that was the fourth time he'd scored in a one-all draw this year. And finally, Steve, you probably think that whoever is appointed referee is just coincidence. But no, no, there's great planning goes into this. For example, when Craig Dawson scored for West Brom, the referee who was awarding Craig Dawson's goal was Craig Pawson. And later in the game, West Brom had a goal disallowed
0: when the linesman, also called West, put up his flag. Oh, well, what a coincidence. Uh, Thanks a lot, Stuart. That's it for the show for this week, but uh, do stay in touch on Facebook and WhatsApp on any footballing matter that you like. WhatsApp number plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Our Facebook page is Planet Sport Football Africa. Our website is Planet Sport Football Africa dot com, and you can follow us on Twitter at Planet. Sport FA. For me, Steve Vickers in Harare from Solomon Oshoms in South Africa and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks so much for listening and Planet Sport Football Africa is a Passion for Sport production.